0: So we received some bad news today. Our our COVID vaccine got delayed, and at this point, you know, I would let them shoot me up with Titan juice if it meant I could just go outside with my pals. <laughs> I would turn to a Titan if it meant I could see the Demon Slayer movie. I don't <laughs> care if if I get so it yells at me and I just turn to a monster. If I can see that Demon Slayer movie in theaters, it'll be all worth it. Which Titan would you want to be? Ooh, ooh, ooh! I, definitely the Cart Titan, because then I can bring all the homies around. <laughs> oh. <Cartoon! laughs>
1: to Bravery Punch, the Shonen show where
0: Aaron is daddy. I'm Kunai Kenny. And I'm Doki Doki Duffy. Today we are talking about the phenomenal, sensational, Attack on Titan. Hey, 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 oh. We will be spoiling everything in the anime this episode. We are not manga readers, but if you're not caught up to all of season four, you might want to bow out, watch it, and then come back to the episode.
1: Doki Doki Duffy, what specifically are we really going to be looking at with Attack on Titan as an anime because we're not really going to be reviewing it here we do it a little differently on bravery punch
0: yeah we're going to be talking about what makes attack on titan a shonen and if you're not familiar with the show or somehow you just don't know what it is attack on titan is a manga originally written by hajime isayama and published in Satsu shonen magazine uh this is not one i was familiar with it's actually an offshoot of shonen Jump, published by the same company kodansha so it's just just next to Shonen Jump. And listeners, I as well am just learning about all these other shonen
1: magazines. I did not know there were things beyond Shonen Jump until we started doing this and we learned that Soul Eater was... Was it in this same one, or is it something else? No, it was in Weekly Shonen
0: Gangan. Ah, oh,
1: sorry, sorry. You know, the, <laughs> the classic Gangan. Classic Gangan mix-up.
0: <clears throat> it is just ended. The manga just concluded this month, and Season 4 of the anime also recently concluded, with the next, or hopefully final part of the anime, coming next year. Uh, and a quick note before we get into the shonen aspects of Attack on Titan, the creator, Hajime Isayama, has been accused of some imperialist overtones, or perhaps even some racism in how he depicts a lot of things in Attack on Titan. And while that is a very important conversation, it's not one we're going to be having today. If you're interested in that kind of thing, definitely check out um, Yidoe Travis's video on what it's like to live in Attack on Titan for the broader political and social commentary. What we're here to talk about today is what makes Attack on Titan a shounen specifically. We've
1: seen our fair share of shounen. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Fair share of shonen. How we have kind of defined a shonen is through these three pillars. And the first is the hero and their dream. Kind of one thing lumped together. You can't have the hero without the dream. You can't have the dream without the hero. Our second thing is the power system slash progression system. And finally, we have the crew of characters that uh, surround our hero and help that dream along the
0: way. And we're going to need to edit this out because it's going to beep shortly to notify me just putting this audio cue in the recording.
1: We got a to... diabetes alert, folks.
0: We're, we're good, though. Or gonna... we could keep it in and just like be a very pro-diabetes <laughs> podcast. Hey, I'm so down. I'm so down. <laughs> and before analyzing the pillars, I want to mention that this is kind of why we started this show. Back when Bravery Punch was nothing more than a conversation in our old uh, in our old. There it goes. I was able to stop it, but my uh, continuous glucose monitor is about to go off there. Anyway, back when Bravery Punch was just a discussion in our old kitchen. We were surprised to think about Attack on Titan as a shonen. and when talking with some other friends who are fans of the show and current on the anime, also a little surprised to hear that it's a shonen. So I'm excited to talk about what makes it so, and I think we're going to start with the hero.
1: Part one of this episode, we're going to be just making the case for attack on titan being a shonen and then part two we're really going to dive into these pillars and analyze them a bit further and see how attack on titan sets it apart but looking at the hero and the dream and attack on titan we have Eden yega Eden yega Eden yega he is our main character and he starts off uh, a happy young boy living inside of Wall Maria with his friends Armin and Mikasa when one day the Wall is attacked by the Armored Titan and Colossal Titan. Eren's mom gets eaten and that's where his dream comes into play, which is to kill all Titans or to get revenge on all Titans because his mother was eaten by a Titan in a very
0: gruesome and intense scene for a shonen in a first episode. But by the end of that first episode, we have him boldly declaring his dream, which is to kill all the titans. And I want to focus on the dream first before we even talk about Eren, because they are conjoined, but they are kind of separate. Where the dream that defines a shonen has to be counter to what uh is standard in the society they live in, and bold and impossible seeming right luffy becoming the pirate king seems ridiculous he's just some kid from the east blue uh naruto becoming hokage is just impossible he's just some orphan with no friends like how's he going to do that and the dream for attack on titan is killing these monsters these zombie-like creatures that have assaulted every part of humanity we know for generations and so Obviously, humanity wants to fight them. We see that in the first episode, that there are resistances set up to the Titans, but completely wiping them out is impossible, and it fits into the Shonen Dream in that way. But where it differs is how he wants to go about it, I think, or why he wants to.
1: It's not a dream that is only his. It's it's obviously one that most everybody who lives in the Attack on Titan universe would share is to get rid of these giant monster things. It's not as unique as a lot of other heroes' dreams. And it's also born out of revenge. Most of our heroes' dreams we see kind of as a passion project, if you will, where there's a lot of hope behind it. It's getting stronger with their friends to be the best to protect the people around them. Not to say Aaron doesn't want to protect his friends, well, at least
0: in the beginning of the show, We've seen vengeance motivations in shonen of course and the my, the one that pops to mind immediately is Sasuke Uchiha and it's interesting because he is allowed to be edgy he's allowed to be really motivated by getting revenge for what happened to his family he's not the main character and I feel like in recent maybe the last shonen of the 20 years we've seen vengeance motivations or revenge aren't really coming from the main character and so we're going to talk a lot in the second half of the show about what makes a on Titan different. But it's interesting to note that the initial dream, the initial thing that sets Eren on his quest is vengeance for getting back at what they did to his mom. For example, look at, again, Luffy. His dream of wanting to
1: become the Pirate King is a really, like, fun, passionate childhood dream. You know, so many kids want to be a pirate, when they're a kid. You know, that idea is just so fun. Midoriya wanting to be the number one hero. Again, a very fun, like, idea that so many kids share. (laughs) Again, a very fun idea that so many kids share. And we just see Aaron's dream coming from a much darker place, and that really sets a much darker tone for the series moving forward. It's, It's not so much of a childhood fantasy where as much as it is a vengeful quest uh, to smite down those who wronged him when he was young, uh, which I guess it is another side
0: of childhood maybe, you know? <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't wanna get too much into what sets this apart as a shonen before we convince our listeners that it is a shonen. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, the yeah. second thing that a good shonen needs is a power and progression system. What is a Italian power? And progression system it's a bit funkier here in attack on titan because
1: the way they use the power and progression system is very mysterious and uh it's a big storytelling method throughout the show the power and progression system is uh, major spoilers here for the show by the way uh, i know we mentioned that at the beginning but if you've gotten this far and not seen it get ready the, uh, the Titan system. We have humans who can turn into Titans. Eren, um, our main character, he uh, finds out that he or uh, he can turn into a Titan, uh, the Attack Titan, uh, hence the name of the show. And we slowly learn throughout the series that many other characters that we know and familiar with can turn into
0: Titans. And with any good power system comes the power-ups. And they're not as flashy as in other shounen, but they definitely are the Hallmark power-ups. In Season 1, there's that long, like, mini-arc of him moving the boulder. And there's a, that is, in itself, a power-up, because he has trouble controlling the Attack Titan. We don't know a name at that point. But moving that boulder is harkens to, I mean, think about Tanjudo cutting the boulder. It's this kind of mundane thing, both involving rocks, but it shows a power-up in control and of using a new technique or form for the classic shonen hero. We see other mm, flashier power-ups, especially when he learns to control the, like, hardening and the crystal powers. And then later on in Season 4, the power-ups just get crazy when you learn that you can inherit other Titans' powers by eating them. And by the end of Season 4, Eren's got the Attack Titan, he's got the Warhammer Titan and can just make weapons, and he gets a whole new arsenal, much like uh, Naruto getting different modes or attacks in stage mode. You know, it also, uh, it begs the question, too. We got these big old
1: meat mechs that these little kids are piloting. Is it a mech show? We're not getting into that today, but
0: think about it. Think about it. And what's interesting about the powers is that the rest of the characters, the main squad, has different power system. Not even really power system, but the maneuver gear. Whether you want to call it ODM gear, 3D maneuver gear, they are flying around like Ninja Spider-Man. But... How does that differ from other shonen powers? The
1: thing that's weird with the ODM gear is it doesn't have a progression. And I think that's what's key with a power system is that progression. The ODM gear just has people who are good at it and people who are fine with it there's no one who we see who's like terrible with their odm gear by the time that they're a a scout there's just some people who are scared fighters maybe but everyone can kind of maneuver around and it's usually kind of a machine malfunction that ends up maybe costing them their lives it's not uh yeah that that whole progression is, is lost because we have levi who is just fucking sick he's just a badass fidget spinning around And he just is always sick. He never like gets better. He's just always badass. Same with Mikasa. She's just always a badass. Maybe they get more crafty a little bit, but it doesn't feel like they ever power up. Yeah, they get out of a more narrow situation and we do have like amazing character moments, but it's not them like getting better with the ODM gear in any unique
0: way. It's safe to say because of that lack of power up and progression, that doesn't fit into the shonen archetype of power system that we love to talk about. And I think that's why people don't view Attack on Titan a lot or often as a shonen because for the first 3 seasons or so, no one besides Eren on the main squad, the good guys if you will, had a special power. They were just people doing their best with the technology, which was really cool. And as viewers and readers, we were so into that, seeing humanity defy the odds with just what they have. And it didn't feel Shonen. It felt more like Gurren Lagon, that type of story. But as the story's gone on and it's revealed more layers of the power system, as we're going to talk about later, it's definitely fitting into the Shonen more and more as there are varied powers and different power-ups that we've seen. All right. So I think
1: we've made our case for our hero and our dream and we have now gone through our power and progression system. Our final pillar uh, that we're going to define here for Attack on Titan is the crew and our uh, cast of characters. And Duffy, who is
0: our crew in Attack on Titan? The classic Shonen Trio, we've seen it in so many different shows and stories, comes up with Eren Yeager, Mikasa... uh <laughs> <laughs> can't I forget this. my boy, Armin! No, no, no. Mikasa Ackerman, oh, oh, and oh. <laughs> Armin... I don't oh, remember his last name. But either, either way, they're the first three. And like Austin said earlier, uh, a big part of the early story is them watching out for each other. Aaron saves Miko, so we learn. We don't see the full flashback, but he saves her early on. And that's why they become really close. She actually is adopted into their family. And a big thing of Mikos' character is protecting Aaron. I mean, it's a bit of a meme early on that all she wants to do is protect Aaron, And that's a classic thing we see in that tight shonen trio. And then expanding from our tight Shonen Trio as, as the show moves
1: along, our characters uh, eventually graduate and end up in the Recon Corps. And the people who they train with along the way end up being um, all kind of in the same unit. And there's so many of them. Um, I, I You know, Sasha, Connie, Gene. Um, there's like Marco early on. Yeah, Marco, Bertold. Um, Reiner, so, so many characters along the way that, that build up this exterior crew kind of around our, our main cast. And that's, I think, another really fun thing about Attack on Titan is you really grow to care about a lot of these characters, which makes it so much harder to to lose some of them. And you feel those intense moments so much more when the the Titans attack that it's just it's heartbreaking when you see these people who they've trained with and they've built a connection with die alongside their companions and you know have to keep doing that. So the crew is a pretty a strong point of Attack on Titan, I would say.
0: An interesting part of the crew is that they all exist within the military structure, the military hierarchy, and I think that is a subtle way to do the shown-in hierarchy of powers and and power levels that we love to talk about and love to obsess over as fans, where you have different power levels in dbz you have bounties in one piece you have hero rankings in my hero it's everywhere across shonen and it's a little more subtle here when you don't have power levels you have military ranking you have them starting out the main crew as like recruits or whatever they have to go through the training arc and then they get into the very bottom level of the military and we're told right away not we don't we're not just shown that Levi is super powerful. We know he is right away because of his rank. Commander, Captain Levi, whatever it is. <laughs> he gets commander later. but there And then above him, there's commanders. And we we're like, whoa, who can be above Levi? We're shown the power hierarchy, but it's sold to us in an almost more believable or more grounded experience because we are familiar with military hierarchy. We're casually familiar with military <laughs> hierarchies uh, in day-to-day life, and I actually think that's a really cool thing that Attack on Titan does. The crew fits in to the power system through the setting and just what they want to do as characters. All right, I think we uh, I think we've nailed is it, nailed down our three pillars here. Yeah, and if you're still not convinced that Attack on Titan is a shonen, I mean, it's published in a shonen magazine, right? We're not gonna claim that's the only reason, but its target demographic is the shounen, the young boy, and of course it has blown up beyond that and everyone's mom knows Attack on time these days.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's like the Game of Thrones of anime. It People love it, I think, because it kind of has the same stakes as Game of Thrones. You know, people love a good show with stakes and we don't get a lot of shonen with that and so it's a really awesome experience to to watch it and now see it as the face of shonen manga and anime. It's absolutely massive only i mean demon slayer is kind of getting there now but attack on titan for the past decade has not yeah has it been a decade or, it's, it's, <laughs> felt, know. it's felt long it's felt like it we have we we haven't even told our, our story of attack
0: on right, Titan. right i think before we get to our break and get into all the fun analysis and discussion in the second half i think it is worth talking about our our story with this show because uh it has felt like a decade at times uh and so how did we first find Attack on Titan? Just from a gif on Reddit of seeing
1: Sasha, one of our crew members, eating a potato, and then another gif of some people ripping around on their ODM gear and fighting some titans. And those two gifs just sold me right away. I was like, all right, this is uh, this seems like a good time. The animation is there for sure. And I, I had heard some bits of the opening too, which... It's just a whole nother conversation we'll get to later in the show. From there, it became one of the first weekly anime that we watched beyond Naruto. Naruto was kind of our thing before that, and we were really at this time starting to dip our toes into more anime, and Attack on Titan was just airing, it was just getting big, and season one was just incredible, and we were so, so ready for season two, but... uh, what happened?
0: <laughs> After the hype of season one, all those years ago, mind you, radio silence for four years. We watched Attack on Titan originally in high school. I don't know if it was sophomore. I think it was the end of j- between sophomore and junior. Either way, we were young and it was years before we saw more of it. As um, a viewer, we are fans of the show. We are so invested, but our Interested in it, our motivations for wanting to keep watching have changed so much, not just because of the story, but because of the timeline they have released over. We have quite literally
1: grown up with some of these characters in in a in a sense where it's been. I just I, I'm so ready to get to the end of this journey because it's truly the first shonen that we will both experience from beginning to end. Yes, you know we. Uh, I'm still catching up. <laughs> still, one day we'll get there with One Piece. We'll see that come to an end in a couple in a decade or so. But but with One Piece, that, we were not around for yeah. the Inception. Yeah. One Piece is literally older than me. Same and same with Naruto too. We saw. We did. Yes, we did see that end. But we were. Uh, we. Did, I mean, I kind of you know I watched the, the anime when I was really young, but it was again kind of before my time a little bit. But. Attack on Titan is the first shonen that I really sought out, found, and have been on this journey for so long. And it has such a special place in my
0: heart for that. And it's it's just uh, it's been it's been a, a wild, wild ride. Like any good journey, it's had its ups and downs. And I'm so excited to talk about some of them after this short break. Hello. Doki Doki Duffy, tell me how our listeners can get involved with a good old
1: Bravery Punch.
0: Well, you can find us at Bravery Punch on Twitter, at Bravery Punch. We're on YouTube. You can search up Bravery Punch. You'll find our channel. You can also email us at punchbravely at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to be talking about the anime
1: Demon Slayer. So send us all your thoughts, what you love, what you hate, and
0: why you love Tanjiro. And get ready for a Demon Slayer episode. And if you like the podcast, please be sure to like, share, and follow. Any support is appreciated. Punch, punch them up. Stay brave.
1: <laughs> and we are back, ready to dive deeper in to Attack
0: on Titan. In this second half, we are going to be looking at what separates Attack on Titan from other shonen and what we hope its impact is on the genre. What we want it to inspire in future stories, and how it can like elevate the genre. Before we get into that, I thought of something that could be a little fun. Attack on Titan is obviously so different, and we want to start with some positivity of little things it does differently that I want more of. So this is Doki Doki Duffy's, I want more of this please. (laughs) Doki Doki Duffy's dose of... Please give me more of whatever Attack on Titan (laughs) is serving. And first up is more gay characters that aren't played for laughs. Ymir is an honest to goodness lesbian, and it's never played off as a joke. <laughs> you know, it's never played off as a joke. Uh, she is honestly in love with Historia, as we learn towards season two. And not only is it not played, not only is it serious, it's requited. I mean, they are obviously separated due to circumstance, but Historia's feelings are pretty hinted at being um, similar towards Ymir. And obviously we would love that full representation of a actual relationship, but this is a good start, I, th- I would suppose, just because Ymir is such a badass character, has the powers that not many characters do, and just happens to be in love with the future queen. So more of that, please. Next up, uh, was what? I already forgot. <laughs> next up, uh, next up, more openings, more openings that build on each other. I know we're big fans of these openings. I love that two things about them in particular. One, recognizable, iconic brand for Attack on Titan, and two, they build on each other.
1: Yeah, the opening was one of the first things that pulled me in right from the get-go. That first opening, it just, it slaps. It's still,
0: to this day, I can sing it in my heart. I think it it really utilizes the setting and world of Attack on Titan, where a lot of other shounen are set in a pretty much modern Japan, contemporary Japan. And so they have that fun J-pop rock vibe going on that obviously I love. Don't get me wrong. But it can feel a little samey. You don't know if you're listening to a My Hero opening or if you're listening to the newest Jujutsu Kaisen opening. Attack on Titan is set in such a different world. Hey, I will say, sorry, I will say the Jujutsu no
1: Kaisen opening, it slaps. You
0: can't oh, say. I would never say it doesn't slap. But it can get indistinguishable, right? And something that Attack on Titan does is it really embraces its setting of this Germanic, like... Industrial Revolution World and gets an intense epic opening every season that just pulls you in. Yeah, uh, it each each opening, it really it it does not
1: miss. There's some that are a little funky, but yeah, you, the new one at first, it, it I didn't love it. The first episode, I was like, what's happening this season? What is this opening? You definitely don't love the soldiers, like, marching. Very strange vibes there. But at this point now, I've, that opening,
0: it's a bop. It's a bop and a half. That one's actually not written by Link to Rising. Oh, really? Yeah, no, that's different. But let's, let's get into the actual content and the themes of Attack on Titan. What separates it so much from other showmen? Why don't we again kind of
1: look at this pillar by pillar and first up our hero, Aaron Yeager. And as we mentioned earlier, I think one of those key differences is that vengeful quest that he is on throughout the show that has brought Aaron to where he is now. This dark, grim guy who has just been beaten down so much that he has really become a totally different character than we knew in earlier seasons. And it's shocking to see him act the way he does now just because he doesn't have that same kind of, like, passion in his eyes that he once did. It's it's so different from Mo Shonen where the hero is beaten down and uses that kind of beat down to get stronger and to, I don't know, like, uh, what, what's the word? Like, they just build a fire inside of the, a fire just grows bigger and bigger inside of. Determination. Them. Determination. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. They're, they're more determined when they're beaten down, but Aaron just kind of seems so tired. And I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> He's looking hot this season at the same time. He is just like tired seeming and like just so grim and beaten down where he doesn't, feel like he has grown a bigger fire, but it's
0: kind of gone out almost. Right. And that's not due to the vengeance. I, I I know that's not what you're saying. I just don't want our listeners to get a little lost. The vengeance is nothing new to Shonen, right? We talked about Sasuke. Even Naruto and other heroes at times can want revenge for wrongdoings to their friends, especially, is where we often see that. What's so different that Austin was just talking about is the dynamic element to Aaron Jaeger as a character. He has so much development and change that it almost doesn't even feel like a Shonen hero. Austin just kind of outlined the two bookends that we've seen as anime viewers so far. And I don't know if I can stress enough that Aaron Yeager is a radical, a radical Shonen hero in every sense of the world. Both from the content of the story that we learned about. <laughs> his, <laughs> his new dream. of His eugenics dream. Oh. Sorry, another uh, continuous glucose monitoring alert. But radical not just in terms of his content and what's going on in the story, but radical in his change. Other shounen heroes do not change as much as Aaron Yeager does. And what I mean by that is their dream is consistent. Like, Goku always wants to be the strongest. Naruto always wants to be Hokage. I can do example after example. That motivating, driving dream is the same throughout the story. And sure, we can have elements and layers added onto that, right? Where Goku gets a family, and certainly that's a part of him that wasn't there before, but he's going to let his kid get beat up if it means getting stronger. And Naruto will want to rescue Sasuke for a large chunk of the story. You might even say the second half or more, but that is always in service of becoming Hokage. It's never, I'm no longer interested in becoming Hokage and now I want to rescue my friend. It's... How can I do these to pursue my dream? The dream is achieved by going on like the arcs
1: that are in so many shonen. Each character along the way gets stronger by each arc. And by getting stronger, they get closer and closer to achieving that final end goal. So even we get this in Attack on Titan along the way. As Eren gets better and better at wielding his Titan, he gets closer and closer to achieving that goal of being able
0: to beat down more when he is in his Titan form. But the dream changes. I love that you brought up arcs. The arcs aren't as apparent in Attack on Titan. Um, But before we get into that, the dream itself changes. And this is where it's truly radical for the genre. Eren initially wants to kill all the Titans. And it would be one thing if he was just a, a, a hot, sad boy and still wanted to kill all the Titans. Like, that would be interesting. We'd have the hot, sad boy protag who now wants to kill the Titans differently. That'd be cool. We wouldn't be able to talk for 30 minutes about that, though. He His whole dream and motivations are different now. They've changed so much, both literally and thematically. No longer is he interested in killing Titans. He wants to commit some eugenics and be mean to his friends. And he is just so different from where we've seen, and it's really new territory for in storytelling.
1: And I think if if you don't, if we're not moving too quickly here I, with this, I kind of wanted to move into the power and progression system because again, I think that so much of this um, change in Aaron is because we learn about the power and progression system so late in the game. So he's learning about all these abilities where he is able to change the world through his titan but he's only just learning about them like season 3 and season
0: 4 we're only just learning the truth about the titans this would be like in hunter hunter getting to the chimera ant arc and finally learning what nen is and all that little breakdown that we get but we get that breakdown in what the second arc of hunter hunter we need it early on to be able to explore it and have fun with it attack on titan is so different because of everything you just said.
1: Yeah, we only have just learned, really, about kind of like eating other Titans to gain their ability. It would be so cool to see this really fleshed out and explored throughout the show, but we really get it crammed in at the end, which I think is a a major bummer in Attack on Titan. Again, it's one of those things that sets this apart from other shonen is the power and progression system is used as a much different, it's used for storytelling, whereas in other shounen, the power and progression system, yes, it can drive the story along, but it's not one of the main pinnacle points of the story.
0: I actually want to go back to Aaron if we can for a moment. Oh, of course. Because the power is going to lead us to our last big point, I think, that differentiates the storytelling for Attack on Titan. But... We're not just here to hate on the story, right? It might sound like we're a little negative on where Eren is right now. And I want to explore it in a more general way of, do we think we can have a dynamic character in Shonen? And if so, do we want more of that? It's wild that we're finally at this point in a Shonen
1: where we aren't rooting for our hero. So many other shounen, you know who you want to win, you know who the hero is, you know what's good and what's evil, it's black and white. But here in Attack on Titan, in Season 4, I don't know if I want Eren to win at this point, I don't know if I want him to achieve his dream, it's kind of dark and twisted at this point, where... Maybe we get the Code Geass Lelouch ending. Maybe we get the Itachi thing that happens at some point. Right now, it, it's like a very gray area in Attack on Titan with who you should be rooting for, which is really cool and dynamic in a Shonen.
0: But, you know, I wouldn't want it in all of my Shonen. <laughs> right. I'm also on board with It's so interesting. I'm very invested. But is that what we come to Shonen for? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to always know what's gonna happen, but I, we come to Shonen for the hero and their dream. And it's not that we can't have a dynamic hero, but I would almost want to take what you've said about Eren and getting beaten down and getting more cynical and flip it on its head. I would love to see the reverse of a Shonen protagonist getting more hopeful and expanding their dream beyond what they thought possible. I think that could be a really interesting way to incorporate what attack on titans to kind of pave the way for aaron changes his dream in reaction to the world the pressure of the world learning things and the realities he's facing and he reacts to that and comes to a more like practical if you want to call it that solution (laughs) we're not going to debate eugenics here on the show but the character seems to think it is a more realistic approach and I would love to see the reverse of that. A hero who starts out kind of small time, whether it's in a card game or being the strongest, whatever the story is, I would love for them to think that they want to start small and just get bigger and bolder and and just go off. Right now, where season
1: four just ended, or the final season, part one, or just the final <laughs> <Part> season. <one. laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but um, wherever we are in Attack on Titan right now, we're at a point where we really will get to see Aaron go off with the power and progression system. With We haven't seen him use the Warhammer Titan yet, which he's like just uh, eaten up. So it'll be cool to see this. But at the same time, it's such a bummer that we're seeing the power system get to this point so late in the game. I mean, I guess, yes, you could say it's not... All about the big fights in Attack on Titan, but it would still be cool to get a little bit more of these big Titan fights, kind of throughout the series. Like Armin's only just become the colossal Titan, you know. It's uh times. Can I can I do time skips now? Is that before, all right? Before we skip to the time <laughs> skip,
0: <laughs> I love to just ground us in our discussion where mysteries and uncovering things about the power system is obviously something we both love. Well, I think so. Are you with me there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you see this in small power-ups like learning about hockey, learning about Super Saiyan 3 or 4 or however it gets up to. We love little mysteries of the power system, but we need that foundation early on. For sorry, just for a second when you said hockey, I thought you were talking about
1: the sport and no, I no, no. It took me a second to get to one piece there. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm talking
0: about armament hockey and all the kind of things you don't know about yet because you're not caught up. But we love little mysteries and learning, uncovering little things about the system that make it more interesting. But we need the foundation of this is a devil fruit. You eat it. This is what happens. This is ninja, ninjutsu, whatever. You do this. This is what happened. We don't even have that basis in Attack on Titan where Aaron just gets eaten. And for a while, we just know he can turn to a Titan and that's it. And I think it sounds like we're in agreement that we don't want to see more of that going forward. We don't want to see that level of mystery and hiding how the powers work, right? Yeah. It's not to say you can have –
1: like not have a power system without mystery because uh, like as you said – with ho- Hachi, hockey, 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 like I'm only still j- just learning about it, but it's in it's in a way that doesn't restrict the power system so much, where it it feels like now an attack on titan, where or at this point where whoa the titans can do so much crazy stuff, but the show's about to end, which um, I mean I don't know how many more episodes there are gonna be, but it still just feels like. I would love to have seen more of um, of the Titan kind of power system uh, expanded throughout the story instead of just tossed in here at the end.
0: One more note about Aaron. Uh, just come on. We said he's daddy, right? we got to talk <laughs> about daddy. One more point about Aaron is the thematic change he's gone through. As he's learned more about these powers, and we have as the, as the readers and viewers, he ended season four with just being mean to his friends. And just telling them they never he never liked them and he doesn't even care and his new plan involves harming them in many ways. Um, and Austin, you mentioned the Itachi and the Lelouch factor, which if you have forgotten somehow, this could be setting up for him saying, oh, I did all this so that I could do this other thing. And we're not going to speculate. Everyone had to hate me so there could be a villain. Trust me, it was the only way. The only there's no I way could. to do this anyway. And we're not going to speculate on if that's happening or not. I'm sure there's many YouTube videos out there you can check out about that. But right now, as a viewer, we are left with our protagonist completely switching and being mean because why? What's changed in him? He talked to his brother one time. They just had a conversation
1: where Aaron realized, yeah, you're... You're right. I should just do eugenics.
0: <laughs> and this is where Tagantin's use of time skips leaves us wanting more. Can I go? Can I go? Please. Okay. So, with time
1: skips in so many shonen, it is the halfway point of the story. It is just like you are just getting into what these characters can do. It's such an exciting part of a shonen. I'm, like, just there in One Piece. I'm still, like, I'm in the second arc after the time skip. And it just, it's so cool to see how much these characters have grown after the time skip. And I have so much more time with them. And it's awesome. And in Naruto, Naruto Shippuden is a whole entirely different series basically off of the original naruto you're only just getting to the start of these characters stories and their journey but here in attack on titan the time skips right at the very end of the story we are not seeing all of our characters right away so we have not grown with them in this time skip we lose so much of what happened to them by time skipping, not seeing them and just kind of seeing vague conversations with them, we lose so much of what's been happening with them. We want to know what's going on with them. We don't want all this vague kind of mystery here at the end. We want to be there with them. We want to know what's happening so we can be rooting for our main
0: cast and crew. You hit the nail on the head because Attack on Titan has tries to have both this big time skip to move the plot forward but also has this radical progression of the characters. And it it doesn't feel like you can have both. Because in the other time skips you mentioned, the characters change, but the way they change is not fundamental. It's in their power and their progress towards their dream. One Piece is, I mean, it's the tour de force. It is the the, cl- the pinnacle of this kind of time skip where you see the characters, you see where they go, you know what their dream and motivation is, and then you see them on the other side of the time skip, being better at what they do they get some new skills new abilities new looks but it's always in pursuit of their dream and their motivation is staying there with attack on titan we leave aaron in a very interesting point in season three right he has just found the ocean there's so much world out there and we are so desperately wanting to see more like you said we skip forward three years and we just have no idea why he's the way he is we don't even fully understand him as a character it's just doing two things at once that I don't know if I want them to combine that way in a shonen story. It's just so mind-blowing that in season one,
1: we see him carrying Mikasa like away from Titans. We see him cry for Armin to get the Colossal Titan. Such a powerful, intense moment where he is standing up for his friend's life. And then from one conversation with his brother that we see in a 30-second clip, we see Aaron's entire personality change, it's just almost heartbreaking to see him say what he said to Mikasa in this most recent season. I I mean, I would maybe be more okay with it if I got to see more of a change with him, if I got to see why he got to that point. But we as viewers don't really get to see Aaron come to that conclusion. It's just such a brief moment for such a big change for a defining
0: character in the show that it just it doesn't feel deserved in recent shonen time skips are really hot right now especially in the manga for promise neverland it used time skips liberally if you haven't read it there's like three during this one arc but our characters don't change and i couldn't agree more with you austin that if we just had a little if we could see the impetus of that change and see the result of it it'd be way easier to swallow than leaving a Scared but hopeful boy at the edge of the world, to this really sad guy who just hates his friends, who's kind of racist towards his friends. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, it kind of seems fascist to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird, and it's it's just sad to see such a drastic
0: change with with Aaron. So I think it's safe to say that in future Shonen, if we have this level of change, we need to see more of it, and we don't want to deal with the back and forth, the back flash, and flash forward and the experience we've had while we're on
1: storytelling I, I do want to mention the info dumps that happen in a lot of and we are given these scenes and moments of all right here's what you need to know about the power system all right here's what you need to know about this character and we are just kind of given a whole slew of information and that happens a lot in attack on titan there are whole episodes where we're learning entire histories decades of a country from one person giving a whole monologue, one person just explaining like all of the Titan power system, things we never knew just in one fleeting moment. And it's really kind of annoying and tiresome sometimes in Attack on Titan where it's just like, oh, here we go. We got to learn more history about this country. Like there's more flash. There's more to this person. I don't know. It's just there's a lot of moments where we're just revealed so much information about the country and
0: it's just it's not super enticing to watch at times i want to push back slightly because i think you did say that all shonen use flashback and even the best of the best one piece oh well okay well i think that's where we're just that's where we need some clarification on because in the best of the best one piece right we have long flashbacks one that sticks out in my mind is at the during fishman island right after the time skip uh, our main character, Luffy, literally falls asleep while listening to an info dump, right? So w- what are you talking about?
1: Well, so with an info dump, it's just one scene, one person telling you what you need to know with maybe like a slideshow of kind of some related images and stuff. What's really powerful about the flashback in um, Fish, Fish World in One Piece <laughs> Um, we are told a story and we see this, oh, that was a weird inflection there, but we see this story played out. We see these characters come to these conclusions. We see their growth. We see Jinbei change as a person. It's um, a moment that is not dumped upon us, but a moment that we get to experience as a reader. Whereas in an info dump, it's just told what you need to know, where a flashback, you really kind of learn from it and see a character's progression.
0: I think I'm starting to see it with that last sentence. The character is really critical here because in, in One Piece and good flashbacks, we care about the characters. But the info dump, you always talk about the power system. And I think I'm seeing that difference where the power system is necessary. Or Sorry, the, the info dump is necessary to explain and move along the story but it doesn't get us involved as much in the characters, which is what we care about here. Yeah, like when we jump back to Water 7, again, in One
1: Piece, we get Frankie's whole backstory through that flashback and it makes us care about Frankie in his own dream more. We're not just told like, oh yeah, Frankie grew up building boats with this guy. One day the guy died and now he wants to build the best boat for that guy. Like, You don't feel that. You don't feel that dream. Sorry, uh, warning, One Piece spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) You've had 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we feel Frankie's dream because we see his, you know, we see a pinnacle moment in his life. We're not told about it. We see it and experience it as a viewer.
0: I think the reason that these info dumps have been so prevalent is the mystery that Attack on Titan has built up. Other shonen use mystery of course for a great example we love time out one piece check out super eye patch Wolf's video on why you should read one piece he he goes into how oda the author sprinkles in some mysteries to sort of boost the long-term engagement and the long-term storytelling and keep you reading but that's over years and even now decades of storytelling whereas attack on Titan does something a little different where i feel at times we were only watching for the mystery We wanted to know it was in that gosh darn basement for so long. For like, what, it felt like years, but it wasn't that long. Yeah. But truly season three, we were only watching for the basement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously some some very, very fine, flashy Levi zipping around moments. But I just needed to know it was in that basement. I started this show, saw that key, saw there's something down there. And gosh darn, did I just want to know. And that, for so long, was a driving factor in watching it.
0: And I think other shounen aren't like that. You aren't panel by panel or scene by scene watching for the mystery. Like, it's usually you know the hero's going to win. You know there's some secrets to the world. But they're never the driving force. You want to see the fights. You want to see the goofy characters. You like the the vibe of the show. But I think this is different. Yeah, because what... It
1: is presented as, is what's in that basement is a just game-changing, world-changing, mind-bending thing that will bend your perception of what you know. And that was just so enticing to find out what it was. And it pays off. It definitely pays off.
0: Totally agree. My question for you is, do we want to see more of this mystery, almost, dare I say, carrot-on-stick mysteries in Future Shounen? Maybe... I don't know. It
1: like Attack on Titan annoys me sometimes. Uh, like I've kind of mentioned with the power and progression system, I just feel like it would have been cool to know some of this stuff a little bit sooner or if we could have gotten it with a little bit more time. But we we got so many info dumps with this mystery where it, some of the payoffs, it's just like, all right, I'm just waiting for that scene where I can learn what I need to know. Which, yeah, you do get those payoffs, but... I don't know. Yeah, I would like to be shown a little bit more than told what is happening in this mystery. It's very blunt when it's telling you what you need to know. You don't really draw many of your own conclusions, or like kind of get to make any wild guesses. Sure, you can make guesses along the way and stuff. I, am I making am I making sense? I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting
0: myself. <laughs> what What I'm hearing is that the mysteries are great and the payoffs are great in Attack on Titan. But they get in the way of the characters. And I think in season four, we've really felt that. And it feels like a different vibe because we're now watching to see the mysteries unfold and see the results of them. And our crew is sort of sidelined for the drama of the reveals. And I'm not a writer. I'm not going to tell Isayama or anyone how to write a story. But I think for Shonen in particular, we never want to sideline the characters. The, for me personally, the mystery is great, and I, that basement mystery kept me going for years, right? I don't want it to get in way of the characters because that is what I come to Shonen for. It was a real bummer to
1: come back to Attack on Titan, so excited for this last season, to not see our, our main cast in, of characters for four episodes, three. You know, we see Aaron at the end of episode three, maybe. You know, we do see Reiner. We're getting, you know, we're, getting, we're gaining a new perspective, and... You know, we're getting this whole wider story, yada, yada, yada. It's hard to care as much when we just don't know what's happening with our with our friends. You know, they're they feel like our friends. And it's so sad when we do finally get to see them to see them just be sad and not really talk much. And they're just kind of in the background of this much bigger story that is happening, which is isn't, you know, our, our crew and our, our hero are kind of supposed to be more at the center of this main story. but here in attack on Titan we're getting this bigger picture, this gray area of who's right and wrong, you know what's good in war and all that. So it's just a, it's, it's an interesting method to go with. Don't
0: sideline the characters. Let's keep yeah. them at the focus, but you can keep your mystery. With those characters though, one thing attack on Titan does that I definitely want more shown to follow suit are the stakes. I think just second to the mystery, often we were watching just to see who makes it out. Because in this show, characters die and they stay dead. There's no going to heaven and coming back with the Dragon Balls. They are gone. And I think that really sets it apart from other shounen. And
1: death is also just so
0: grim and dark every
1: time it happens in the shounen. Like, characters will die in a shounen, but it'll be a beautiful moment, kind of, where, you know, in Dragon Ball Z, for example, Vegeta... Um, when he explodes himself for his friends, you know it's a powerful moment. sure. That's in Dragon the, Ball Z. That's they can, the
0: I will always love you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know they they come yeah they come back of course and and there's heaven and everything. But you know that's Dragon Ball Z. But here in Attack on Titan, they're dead and gone, and it is just like a brutal. There's no beauty in this. There might be some sacrifice, but it is just a lot grimmer and darker than than a lot of other shonen. And I think the
0: reality of that is a really big strength of Attack on Titan. And it, it's why it's drawn so many in. For sure. It feels almost Western. Like most Shonen don't have that level of stakes. It feels more like Game of Thrones where characters can die. So I think we're in agreement that we want more of that. And one way I was thinking about it in preparing for this episode, one way we could have that level of stakes <laughs> without necessarily having that violence is we could incapacitate or affect characters in other ways. What if we had characters in a fight who permanently lost a limb or lost their powers even, or somehow just got affected in a way that they could no longer be present in the main conflict. That could still have stakes, but wouldn't be as violent and as dark as Attack and Titan is, right? Uh, Again, bringing up some examples
1: is Recovery Girl. She can kiss and wipe away the pain and, you know, Yes, Midoriya can do some detrimental damage to himself, but, you know, there's usually something
0: that will save him. Yeah, My Hero really does it both ways. With Recovery Girl, Almost, it really takes away the effects early on, but at the same time, then they throw in this wrench of Mirio losing his powers. And that is a real consequence that gives weight to the story that I want to see more of in Shonen. So, big fan of the stakes. Big, big fan of the stakes.
1: I think another great thing Attack on Titan does is, I mean, you know, a lot of shonen do this, but a really stellar character design and and, um, cast of
0: characters. Not since One Piece has every single face looked distinct. Very impressive stuff. I think it's the author, but also the anime. I think the animators are really doing a stellar job of, I don't want to say enhancing, but Adapting the the character designs and art from the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen too, on uh, the animation in this final season is almost just like a frame for frame shot of the manga. They've just done a stellar job, and the animation um, and art style actually kind of reminds me a little bit of one of my favorites, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Just kind of those well defined features, the um, thick lines, the dark shading. Lots all of that big stuff. eyebrows. Lots of big old eyebrows, um, big old well defined noses, things like that just
0: um, really thick shading and and line. And that kind of brings us to our last point, I think, that really separates the Dagon Titan, are the aesthetics, both in the visual design of the characters, but the aesthetic themes going on and the gruesome, grim violence you talked about. Uh, in preparing for this episode, uh, we talked to our friend who kind of inspired this one. Uh, He's cause... gotten a shout out each and every episode. You know right? who you are, shout outs to you. Uh, He was surprised to learn Attack on Titan is a shounen, despite being a fan like us and watching it. And when I asked him why, he pointed immediately to the visuals. Not only the violence, but the goriness and the gruesomeness of the violence. And he shared a story that I thought was really interesting, where he was watching the show, I think probably season one, with his dad all those years ago. And his dad, this older British guy, had to look away from the show because it was too grotesque. He used that word, grotesque. It was too much to look at, and he had to avert his gaze from this shonen anime supposedly marketed towards young boys. Yeah, it, it's wild. I, the Again, the only
1: other shonen I can think of that's kind of like this is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which has some really weird, wacky, wild, gory, and odd scenes to look at. But I think it's a definite strong point of Attack on Titan and definitely something that draws people in. The style and drawing and the art of the show just adds this level of fear. Like when you see the Titans, you just know that they're creepy, spooky, scary monsters. And the fact that his dad had to look away just speaks to the fact of the quality of the animation and the style of this show. It breathes life
0: into them with this totally weird and dark style. It serves the themes of the show really well, I think. And my question about this last part is do we want more of that gruesome violence, or do we want to keep it more PG, more punchy punchy than stabby stabby? And uh, I actually want to answer my own question for a second, sure, if I sure, can. Sure. <laughs> because one other contemporary shonen that has this sort of goriness is Demon Slayer. We've been watching a couple of Demon Slayer episodes recently and getting prepared for the movie and also our next episode, Wink Wink. And that show also has violence. I mean, there's a lot of cutting, there's a lot of bleeding, bones and things poke out of people, and you see Tanjiro's family dead. But it's so different from Attack on Titan, I think, in that it serves the theme in the exact opposite way. It's painting a dark and grim world, but it's showing that there can be hope. It's showing that Tanjiro and Nezuko are are sources of light in spite of this darkness, whereas Attack on Titan goes the other way. But either way, my point is I'm down for this goriness if it serves a purpose.
1: Hmm. And you might want to consider watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure.
0: I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what kind of purpose does it serve there?
1: <laughs> it just it adds to the bizarreness of the adventure. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, but um, I, I agree. I, I think it really can. It adds so much to Attack on Titan. I mean, it it is gruesome and brutal, but that just adds to the whole tone of the show. And I think is a pretty defining feature of it. Do I want to see it more shown in though? I don't know. I, I'm, I think if it's used the same way, like an attack on Titan, like we're seeing in demon slayer, you know, um, storytellers are using it to their advantage. Like, you know, it's like the same in a movie. I don't want like a super crazy grotesque, like, you know, the gore porn is what people will say. I, it's it's the same here where if it's
0: used well, if it's used tasteful as tastefully as gore can as be as giant naked monsters can be.
1: Yeah. When it when it's used well, when it's used to the tone of the show, when it's used to tell a story, it can be a really powerful element. So I'm totally open to it as long as it's not just elfin lead, where it's just like heads pop like balloons because we're edgy. I think we're about wrapping up our discussion of Attack on Titan. Yeah, we've really been going off here. We've really been going off. I think, um, again, we should uh, just do a quick round off of our three pillars of Attack on Titan, and then we'll uh, bring it home.
0: So Attack on Titan, the hero and their dream, showing us that the hero can change along with their dream. We have Aaron Jaeger wants to destroy all Titans, but learns uh, some different methods that change his dream. We've got the power system that unfolds slowly and all at once and keeps us gripped to the screen or pages. The power system
1: used to tell a story, something that we don't see in so many And The power system is kind of laid out in front of us from the get-go, but here in Attack on Titan, we're slowly
0: revealed to what this power system can really do. And then we have that crew, the military squad who have their moments to shine but also have their moments in the shade. Here in the final
1: season we're seeing these characters kind of sidelined for a bigger story and it's just a real bummer because we really, really love them and we really love the growth that they've had along the way. They've been through so much and we want to see them get an end game that they deserve and not kind of just pushed in at the end as we're
0: seeing. I think the Impact that Attack on Titan will have on Shonen is much like the punch of a Titan. It's going to be massive, meaty, and leave an indelible mark that is going to be visible for years to come. My name is Kunai Kenny. I'm Doki Doki Duffy. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bravery Punch. Be sure to like, share, and wherever you can. And we'll see you next episode for Demon Slayer. Hackney! See you then.